Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you today. I'm so glad that you are here. Today, is we're in an exciting series. Uh, I'm so excited to share with you today uh, just some great stuff. Today, we're uh, in a series called Get Dressed. And what this series is all about is called The Armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is writing about a spiritual, how to prepare spiritually for life. And as he does, he's chained to a Roman soldier. And as he's chained to this Roman soldier, uh, he begins to go through and look at the Roman soldier's armor. And God begins to speak to him about how we are to prepare for life spiritually. And so today as we look at that part of that armor that we're going to see is talk about the belt of truth. So uh, that's why you've got the pants on the ground kind of do. You've got to have your belt on. And so this morning as we, as we begin that, I want to give you a picture, sort of get your mind on what a Roman soldier would look like in the day of Christ. And so this picture coming up is, is exactly what that is, it looks like. And so remember Paul was chained to this guy as he's writing about it's spiritual matters, and God is speaking to him, and he's writing. So, so as you look at that, think about this person. And so the belt of truth was very, very important because it held his uniform together. Uh, it held things together. And also, the belt of truth, you know, is, is considered integrity as well. And so today, as I begin to speak to you, I want to speak to you about a very, very important matter. Matter of fact, before I begin to speak to you about this truth, I want to ask you something. How many of you would say, Pastor Jeff, I want to live my life with integrity? How many of you would say that? Okay, that is right there is, is right. 98% of you in this room raised your hand. Integrity. I want to live my life with integrity. And so when, when the Apostle Paul was writing this, he begins to talk about the belt of truth, and he began to talk about integrity, how important that was in his life and in your life. And so today I want to talk to you about how to live with integrity. We're going to begin referencing back to the belt of truth. And so uh, on your outline, I have three things that I want to talk to you about that I do believe, if you, if you will apply these principles today, will take you up. You know, as your pastor, that's what I want for you. I want you to go up. And I believe that God's word helps us get there. So if you look at the first thing on your outline, you might want to write this down. The first thing I would like you to write down is this. Number one is to acknowledge God as the only source of truth. The only source of truth. When you acknowledge Him of that, then that is the first step of living with integrity, is acknowledging God for who He is as a source of truth. Now again, uh, we, we're talking about belts today, the belt of truth. What I have right here is uh, a belt. 
As I have this belt, this is a belt that you would get if you won, like if you were a wrestling champion or if you were a boxing, boxing champion. You would actually have a belt that says, okay, I have the title. I am the champion of this event, whatever, this sporting event. I'm the champion. I'm the boxing champion. I'm a wrestling champion, whatever. They parade their belt around. And I want to tell you something. If you could see God in the flesh today, when it comes to the era of truth, you would see God standing here with a belt that says, I'm the truth. I'm the champion of truth. I am the truth. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm it. So you would see Jesus holding the belt. Nobody else has truth. God has already won that battle and shown that he's truth. And so today I want you to remember that, that God holds the title to truth. Now, I have a, I have a statement coming up on the screen. I'd like you to, to read this with me because this is going to sort of set the tone for this whole uh, point and message. And so let's read it together. You ready? It's on the screen behind me. Let's read this together. You ready? When I believe God is truthful, I become... You agree with that? Let's just read it one more time. Okay, one more time. And I want you to sort of internalize this and get what it says. One more time. You ready? Come on. When I believe God is truthful, I become trusting. And so there's the issue right there, isn't it, is that if God is truth, if God is truth, then I can trust him, right? I mean, if what he said is truth, you know, like the one thing you've got to have in any relationship, I don't care what relationship it is, it can be, you know, in business, it can be in marriage, it can be in friendship, it can be in school, it doesn't matter. If you, if you trust the person, then guess what? You're going to have a great relationship with them. But if you don't trust the person, you cannot have relationship. You agree with that? I mean, like, you, you can be friendly to them, right? I mean, haven't we all been friendly to people we didn't like? Yeah, matter of fact, you might be sitting beside them today. Don't look. Don't look. But you know what I mean? It's, it's, we've got to trust them. And so the number one thing the devil tries to do and he tries to do it primarily through culture, is this. He tries to get you to distrust God. In other words, he tries to discredit God and try to tell you that what God's word is was antiquated. It was written by men. It, it's not applicable for today. And, and it's old school news. And, and it doesn't work anymore in our culture. It's dated. And he will try to get do everything in his power to get you to not trust God's character, to discredit God's character, to discredit God. Our culture does that. You agree with that? Everything. So, so today I want to share with you that this is not an old tactic. It's a, a tactic that he used from the very beginning. So I want to go right to the scripture and show you this. In Genesis chapter 3, look what it says. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals God had made. So uh, remember, in the Garden of Eden, in the very beginning, that the, the devil come in the form of a snake to Adam and Eve. Look what it says. He said to the woman, would you read out these next four words out loud? You ready? Come on, let's read them out loud. You ready? Did God really? Okay. Now, when someone says that to you, I mean, like, you can be feeling, you ever done this? You can be feeling good about somebody, and then all someone says something like that to you about them. You ever, you ever been there? I mean, like, and all of a sudden, you, you were feeling good, but now you doubt them. You're like, did they really say that? 
What did they really mean? All of a sudden, that's exactly what the enemy's doing. He's doing it right now to Adam and Eve, and it's not on a, a, a new tactic that he used on us. Look, he says, You must not eat from the tree, any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat, eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in, tree in the middle of the garden, or you must not touch it, or you will die. Now, notice what happens to the devil who says this. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be what? In other words, in other words, you can't trust God. You can't trust God because if you do what he says not to do, then you're going to find out there's this whole new world and you're going to, your life's going to be so much better. It hasn't changed, has it? Adam and Eve, the problem with them was this. Sin into the world, why? Because Adam and Eve quit trusting God. Remember what we said? When there's truth, when I believe that God is truthful, then I become trusting. And that's exactly right. That's the question in your life that you've got to ask yourself, and you've got to answer, Do I, is God truthful? Is his word, is his book truthful? And if it is, I can trust it. And so that's the same line that Adam and Eve was used upon them. Now, let me just say this to you. You cannot help. I believe people in this room, I believe the majority of you want to help people. I really do. I believe, I believe that you're good people. I really do that. I believe that. I just want to tell you, you cannot help anyone that doesn't trust you. Right? I mean, just think about it in the medical field. Just the medical field, just a moment. Some of you are in the medical field. But, you know, when, when the, the, you're in the, so you go to the hospital, you got a kidney stone. Woo, hit home. Pain like you've never had before. And so when you, you're in pain, they say, okay, I got this shot that can ease the pain. And if you don't trust that person who's going to administer that shot, then they can't help you, right? Because, oh, no, you're going to poison me. All right, well, you're going to hurt. Until you trust the person, until the person trusts you, then you can't help them. I'll tell you, this is true with God. Until we trust him, he can't help us. And the enemy and culture, our world around us, does everything to advertise against God so that you won't trust him because if you don't trust him, he can't help you. And if God's not on your side and God's not helping you, then you're very easy for them to get to. See what I'm talking about? And so it's very, very critical that we remember that. Now look what the Bible says. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, he says, trust in who? The Lord, that's right. With all your heart, don't depend on your own understanding. Now notice this next part. Seek his what? His will in all you do, and he what? And he will show you which path to take. Now this is very critical. Notice that. He says when you seek his will, meaning that you believe that he's, he's truth, when you believe that he's truth and you start trusting, you seek his will because you trust. And watch what happens. When you seek his will, then he will. Did you get that? Okay, did you get that? When you seek his will, then he will do what you need him to do. He will move in your life. So when you seek his will, then that means God will do. And God will act and God will respond on your behalf when you seek his will. And culture doesn't want you to trust God. 
Why? Because when you start seeking his will, then God starts showing up, and then you start going up. Amen. You just preach it, Pastor. Hallelujah, I will. So trusting God will bring you integrity. Do you agree with that? It brings you integrity. So that is the source of integrity in your life. So as your pastor, I want you to live with what you want, which is integrity, instead of what you don't want, which is regret. Culture, if you live by culture and what the world says, your life will be full of regret. But if you live it by God's word and, and you live it by what God says, it'll be full of integrity. And that's what I want you to have. Okay, let's go to number two. You ready? Number two. So the how to live a life of integrity. Number two, write this down. Put into practice God's word daily. God's word daily. Now, as we talk about this, we again, we're talking about the belt of truth. And there's another belt I'd like to show you today. And my friend Jacob is going to uh, bring this out and I want to show you. But right here is a is a tool belt. I mean, it has all kinds of tools in it. And it's a very, very important part. Uh, uh, you know, if you're going to do any kind of renovation, whatever, you've got to have the tools. You've got to have the equipment to do it with. And what I want to tell you is that when you practice God's Word, you find the tools for life. God has the tools for your life. And so I want you to keep this picture in mind. I'm going to get this back to Jake. Thank you, Jake. Give these two things back to you. Thank you. I want you to know something as we talk about that, is that Rhonda, my wife, Rhonda, for those of you that are new here, set me up. Guys, have you ever been set up? I mean, like, you know, Rhonda and I have this time at night to where at 9 o'clock every night is our time, 9 o'clock to 10, we usually will sit down and watch something on Netflix like, you know, I love the old sitcom, Everybody Loves Raymond, we watch the whole season over a period of a time, you know, one hour a night. And so, you know, we went through that, and we went through some other stuff. And so then all of a sudden she says, uh, you know, why don't we watch this? I said, well, hey, you watch Raymond. We all watch it. So she turned on HGTV. She found this show that's called Fixer Upper. Okay? Chip and Joanna Gaines. And you know what? Listen, that is a pretty cool show, you know, and I, I you know, they're funny and whatever. So I sort of like, okay, this is okay. Well, we decided that we're going to downsize. Our kids have moved out, so we're downsizing our home. And so Rhonda started baiting me a long time ago. And so she said, Jeff, you know what? I mean, after baiting me with this show, she said, Jeff, we need to buy a fixer-upper. And I mean, I've been watching the show, and I've been watching Chip. She's like, hey, bud. Rhonda does me that way. Hey, bud, come on. We need to get a... You have to watch the show to understand that line. But anyway, so... We decide, you know what, okay, we're going to buy a fixer-upper. So sure enough, we found one, and, and we put a contract on it. And so I was going to Nicaragua for a week. I come back in that afternoon. We went and closed on this home. And so on that show, the greatest day of all is what day? Demo day, right? So, so anyways, I go, and, and, you know, Tuesday. So we show up to this house Tuesday afternoon. I mean, we're, we're working on it from, from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock every evening, uh, except for Wednesday, our connect group night. And then we're going to work on it Friday, our day off. So that's our plan, all right? So just she and I, we show up to that house. There it is. She and I together, I have a hammer in my hand. And right before we walk in, she looks at me and she says, What day is it, Jeff? I say, Demo day! 
And I mean, I charge into the house. And I, you know, I've been watching them and how easy it is for them to do all that stuff. So I walk in and I'm like, where do I start? I say, okay, cabinets, you're coming out. And I go and I like grab the cabinets and I have a hammer. And they're not moving. I want to tell you something. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Is it was TV makes things look very good. Demo day is a day from hell. It was, it was not what it looked like on television, I can tell you that. Demo day turned into about two weeks of, of just, what I, I can't even explain it, but it was bad. So I had learned that I had to have some tools. They had tools that I didn't have. And so I had to learn that if you don't have the right tools, you can't do it. And Jesus knew that in our life, God knew in our life, that you've got to have tools to have integrity. You've got to have tools to be successful in life. And so Jesus picks it up, and he begins to give us a picture of what it looks like. And look at what it says. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7 and 24. Look what he says. I need you to, to read along with me. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practices like a Who? Like a wise man who built his house on the... Now notice what happens here. A hurricane came. He said the rains came down. Matthew let the rains come down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not what? It did not fall because the house had its foundation on the, on the rock. All right. Now look what he said. He changes tunes here. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not... Okay, hang with me now. And does not what? Put him into practice. Is like a? Who built his house on the? And notice again, the range came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great? So what Jesus is saying here is that everybody's going to have storms. Everyone's going to have storms. And what's going to matter is, is if you practice the right things and you built your house on a solid rock, or, on the, or if you built it on the sand, then that's going to determine your outcome. And so I, what I want you to know is that all of us, has anybody been foolish besides me before? Is anybody else in this room? Okay, thank you so much for your honesty today. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Just flat-out liars. We've all been foolish. And, the, and God knew that we were. So here's what I'm telling you. What Jesus is basically saying is, and since we've all been foolish, I'm going to give you tools to make you wise. So, so here's what I've determined. God gives tools for, to fools. <laughs> God gives tools to fools so that you can become wise. Because we've all been foolish, so if I don't have God's tools, then I'll continue to be foolish. And so God gives tools to fools. And so what I want you to know, we've taught in our culture that practice makes perfect. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That is true. Practic practice can make you perfectly right or perfectly wrong. It just depends on what you're practicing. You agree with that? I mean, if you're practicing what's wrong, then, then you're going to be wrong. Like my kids, when they, you know, when they were growing up, we would take them to piano lessons. And, you know, I would hear them practice. Oh, man, that sounds good. Only to get there to the lesson and hear the instructor say, you know what? That's perfectly wrong. You did that perfectly wrong. They learned, they learned something perfectly wrong. They, you know, they, they practiced. They were hitting the wrong notes, and it was wrong. And so they had to correct that. 
So if practice makes perfect, it just depends on is it perfectly right or perfectly wrong. And in your life right now, you could be practicing something, but, and you may be perfect at it, but if it's wrong, you're perfectly wrong. And so we have to learn how to be perfectly right, and it only comes through the truth of God's Word by practicing that. So I wrote this on, on the screen. I want you to read this with me again. Let's read this statement together. You ready? Come on. Practicing God's Word keeps me from being foolish and makes me a... Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Don't you think all of us are lacking from wisdom? Practicing God's word is what takes you up. And you're wondering why you're getting passed by. And God's brought you here today so I can tell you the tools that you need is his word. Now... The reason I tell you that is because Jesus said the rains are going to come, right? The, the floods are going to rise. The wind's going to blow. And what he was saying was, is that there's going to become a hurricane in your life. All of us have storms in our lives. And when that storm hits, this is what you need to know. Is that when that storm hits, whatever's inside of you is going to come out when the storm hits. Like, we can all be nice, right? We all know how to be nice. But the truth of the matter is, when, some, when the storm hits, the real you stands up, right? And so like this, this water bottle that I have right here, look, right now you can't even tell what's in it, right? But watch the storm happen. See the storm happening? Look what happens when the storm happens. Whenever something, whenever you shake this and you find out what's inside of it, right? And that's exactly what the world is going to do to you, is that it's going to shake you. The winds are going to blow. The storms are going to come. And it's going to be in the moment that you're not ready for it. And so you have to be prepared. And Jesus said, when you've got my word inside of you, when you get it inside of you, you're like the man who builds his house upon the rock because the, stand, whatever's going to sh the storms are going to shake you and whatever's inside of you is going to come out. And if you've got good stuff in, good's going to come out. Amen? So my job as your pastor is to help you get good in. Because culture's job, the world's job, is to make, make bad look good. And when, you, when bad looks good and you put bad on the inside, guess what? That's why, that's why you're pretty good until somebody makes you mad. Then you make them, you cuss them out. Why? Because it's on the inside. And so we talk, you've got to let God's Word get in there. Why? Because again... What we need in our culture is this. What you need and what I need in my life is a Bible revival. Hello. What you and I need is a Bible revival. We need God's Word inside of us. Why? Because I, I put on your outline here. Here's some things that you need to know that's in God's Word that will help you when the storms come. And that is the first one. is Matthew 7, 12, the golden rule. That means do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So when the storms come, how am I going to respond? How would I want you to respond to me? That's what I'm going to do. When you have a need, when you have a need in your life, whether it be financial, relational, whatever, when you have a need, the Bible says uh, Luke 6, 38, that's the answer. That means that you you give what you need. He says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shake it together, running over. I know that doesn't make sense to the world, but that's God's mechanism. What do you do when evil comes in? When, when evil is all around you, people are being mean and vicious and saying all kinds of things to you. The Bible says the answer to that is Romans 12, 21. What is that? It's doing good to those who do evil to you. 
overcoming evil with good. You see, that's Bible revival. That's no, it's inside of me. So when you shake me, you want to know what you're going to get? You're going to get this. And when I shake you, when I shake you, God wants that to come out of you. Because that's godly integrity. See, you can't do that on your own. You're not wise enough on your own. And what happens when you put, when you put it in there, when you put that truth in there, then all of a sudden God's Spirit brings it to life too because you want to do something, but all of a sudden God, God says, no, this is how we respond. And you got it inside of you and it comes out of you. And people walk away marveled at you. They go, whoa, that ain't the same person I knew. I tell you what, Fred has changed. Oh, he used to not be like that. What happened? God's word. God's word. The Bible says it this way. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Look what it says. Would you shout out that first word? You ready? 1, 2, 3. Happy. happy and happy are those. Can I ask you a question? Look, would everybody just look at me just a second. Do you want to be happy? I want to, do you want to be happy? If you want to be happy, there is a way your creator created. And the psalmist just wrote it, and I'm going to give it to you right here. It's on your outline for you to practice. Look what he says. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil people, who do not follow the example of sinners or join or join those who have no use for God. Instead, they find what? Joy. joy. Happy. Now there's joy. Look what happens. In obeying the law of God, which is his word, the Bible revival. And they study it day and night. Now notice this. They are like trees that grow beside a stream that bear what? Oh man, good fruit. Your life's got good in it. He brings it out. At the right time, that's so critical too. Some of you have been praying for stuff that ain't happening yet. Ain't the right time. At the right time, you see, the right blessing at the wrong time becomes a curse. So you got a right time. It's coming. All right. Oh man, I wish I had about four hours to talk to you about that. Whose leaves do not dry up. Now, would you read this out loud? This last line together. Come on, you ready? They succeed in everything they do. You say, Pastor Jeff, what's made you successful in your life? God's Word. I cannot attribute any success in my life to anything but God's Word. God's Word. God's Word. You see, a Bible revival will bring integrity to your life. Integrity does not happen overnight. Did you hear that? It's when you, make, it's when you make multiple good decisions throughout your life that your integrity grows. It's not one decision. But listen to this. Your integrity can be killed with one bad decision, right? Over time, I build my integrity. Overnight, I can lose my integrity. And that's why you have to have it protected with God's Word. So I got this on your... Connection card, the next step. Let's look at it together. You ready? It says, I will have a Bible revival by reading it and putting it into practice. 
I want to pray for you this week. So if you'll just check that box, I want to pray that God will help you live up to that commitment so that you can be better and that you can get better. Okay, number three. How to live a life of integrity. We're talking about the belt of truth today. Number three, live by God's standard of truth. God's standard of truth. Write that down. I got some things I want to say to you that I feel like are pretty powerful today. But before I do, I want to tell you that the belt that I would like to show you today is actually the belt that I have on. This belt is vitally important. I never used to understand how people could sneeze and their pants fall down. I understand that. But I've been training uh, for a half marathon with, this, with our next generation. I mean, there's, I love it because I'm getting to hang out with uh, some wonderful people that are younger than me. They're, I, think they're, I think the one that's young, one's like 28 years younger than me. The other one's about 20 years. And there's, they're multiple. They're, they're all in their 20s. And so there's, they got more energy than me. They're younger. They got younger legs. They got, they're younger. But they're not outrunning me. Well, maybe one is. But he's tall and lanky. <laughs> but what I'll tell you is that because we've been running, they've, we've been running, you know, and they're like anxious to go. And, and so we've been running early in the mornings and then on Saturdays. And because of that, I've lost weight. And uh, I know that this belt has become very, very crucial uh, to, my, to me to keep my everything intact, you know. Keep having one of those moments. And so what I want to tell you today is that the belt of truth is what keeps everything intact. It's the truth. It's the standard. And so number three is about living by God's standard of truth. It keeps everything intact. Now this is what I want to tell you. Listen to this. When you don't have a standard of truth to live by, then anything goes. And then everything goes bad. Did you hear that? When you don't have a standard of truth to live by, then anything goes. You can say, okay, well, I don't worry. It'll be all right. And then eventually, everything goes bad. Now, we've seen this in our culture today. We're struggling with that more than ever before. Um, this week, our, our county was on the news. You notice that? Fox 5 News did a report on Henry County Schools, how that they sent out a report uh, uh, a letter to all the teachers, a memo to all teachers. It's not a new memo, but they resent it out, reminding them that there is to be no religious symbols in their room, no Bible on the desk, no no uh, verses on the walls, no crosses, no nothing. It is a reminder again that we're telling our kids that okay, you need to know truth, but when you eliminate truth, what is truth and then whose truth are they to believe? If it's not God's truth, then whose truth? Is it your truth? Is it my truth? Whose truth are we, are we to tell our kids to live by? If there's no God, then who's the standard? Let me ask you a question. What is 2 plus 2? One more time. What is 2 plus 2? See, we're all in unity. You know why? Because we got a standard. When there is no standard, you cannot have unity. 
What's wrong with our community? What's wrong with our country right now? Why are we such at odds with everybody? Why is everybody up in arms? I'll tell you why. Because we removed the standard. That's why we can take this same group of people right here that is in this room, and guess what? We can all be in peace and have harmony and feel love in God's house. You know why? We all got the same standard. But when you get outside of these walls out there, then guess what? The standard's been erased. And when the standard's been erased, then, then nobody knows, you know, what truth is. And so they do their own truth. And so that means this. Where you say 2 plus 2 is 4, I can say 2 plus 2 is 3. When I say no matter what you say, 2 plus 2 is 3, then guess what? You get mad at me because you say, no, it's the standard. I say, well, it might be the standard for you, but then it's not the standard for me. And so my math equation is right. Are you tracking with me? That we have to have a standard. Remember, without a standard of truth, anything goes and everything goes bad eventually. You know, uh, if we want unity in our community, we have to have a standard. If you were to go to London, England, and uh, you were to walk over by the Parliament buildings, you would see there's a big courtyard. And as people walk by, they're doing this. Man, what in the world are they doing? They got a, like, everybody got a neck problem or something here? I don't know. You know? But what they're doing is that there's a, there's Big Ben. Big Ben's a clock there. He's a stand, Big Ben is the standard of time. So it doesn't matter what says, it doesn't matter when you walk into that courtyard, it doesn't matter what your clock says, what your watch says, it doesn't matter. And you'll see everybody going there and they're adjusting their watch. Why? Because that's the standard. Your time doesn't matter. What Big Ben says is the standard of time in London, England. And everything else is wrong. And we have to have a standard. With no standards, we can have no unity. There will be no unity in our community without a standard of truth. And that's why your church is so important. Because the only thing that we have right now, you know, our courthouses are not allowed to have a standard. Our schools are not allowed to have the standard. Any government buildings are not allowed to have. So the government says, forget the standard of God. And the church says, heck no, we won't forget it. That we will stand for it. And we will re remind you that, listen, without a standard, everything, anything goes, but it eventually goes bad. And when it goes bad, they're looking for a standard. And so we're, our role is important. It's important. One other thing I'll say to you before we move on, because we're going to partake in communion. Any standard outside of God's Word complicates your life. And God's standard, His Word, simplifies your life. Now, I'll say this this way. Let me just ask this question. Is that, we're having Amber Alerts right now, aren't we? I know it. I can never figure out how to turn that off on my phone. But here's what I want you to know. A standard is so important. Without God's word, my life is complicated. Here's what I say. You take a couple that's married, and God's standard says you should not step outside of your uh, marriage in a sexual relation. One of those people do that. I want to ask you a question. Did they just complicate their life? Hmm? Did they? Okay. Did they just complicate the life of their spouse? Did they just complicate the life of their children? And their grandchildren? You know why? Because they're probably going to end up splitting up. And then guess what? For the rest of their lives, the kids have to carry a suitcase over the other parent's house every other week or every other weekend. Their life is complicated. 
And then that child grows up, and they have children, and guess what? They have a birthday party for that child, and guess what? They have to invite all the other grandparents, and there it's all complicated again. When you step outside of God's Word, you complicate your life. But when you step inside of God's Word, you simplify your life. And here's why. This book right here has answered 90% of my life questions. 90%. If I live by this book, 90% is it's answered right here. It's answered. And so I don't have to make a lot of decisions and say, okay, well, what does God want me to do? All right, I don't think I'll cheat. It answers the question. It simplifies your life. God's truth simplifies your life. Look what Jesus said. Jesus said, Matthew 24 and 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will what? Never pass away. God's standard right now on earth will be in heaven as well. Let me say this. We're about to go into communion. Today, I don't know where you stand with God, but I can tell you this, that you, today the turnaround in your life is to become a Christ follower. That's where it starts. And some of you have been away from God. You know God, but you've been away from Him. Today, the turnaround is, be, is to get, draw back close to God. Today, if you're here and, you, and you're not a Christ follower, we're not going to ask you to stand up, come forward, any of that. There's a prayer on our program that says the prayer to become a Christ follower. We're going to ask you simply to read that prayer and let it lead you into making that decision. And the only thing we ask you to do is check it on the back of your connection card that said you prayed that prayer today so that we can pray for you. Now, I'm going to go into communion, and I want to read you this verse, and then we're going to uh, partake in communion. 1 Corinthians, it says this, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he, gave it, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Would you read what's underlined with me? Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this wherever you drink it, whenever you drink it, would you read this last part with me? You ready? In remembrance of me. So communion is all about remembering what Jesus did. Because when you remember what Jesus did, you will trust God. And so right now, I'm going to ask the, the praise team to come out and sing. And I want you to just bow your heads right where you are, just you and God. And I want you to ask yourself before we take communion, is everything all right with me and you, God? It's a time right now to just get your heart prepared for that moment. Would you do that right now? This morning, I want to ask you, as we prepared our hearts for communion, that you would go ahead and take back that first tab and just hold that wafer in your hand. Jesus said, remember, remember that? He said, remember me. When you remember me, you will trust me. He said, I want you to take communion so you don't ever forget that you will trust. He said, I want you to remember that my body was beaten to a bloody pulp for you. I want you to remember that I took your stripes upon my back. Your beating upon my, the beating upon my body was for you that I took it. And I want you to remember that, I want you to remember me that I did that. And when you remember me, you will trust me. So right now, would you take the wafer and remembering what Jesus Christ did for you? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to take the next tab and pull it back. And on that night, Jesus said, I want you to remember me. My blood's going to be shed. I want you to remember me. And he was saying, as he was walking up that hill, 
people were spitting in his face. They were grabbing his beard and pulling it out until blood was running down. He said, remember me. When they put the crown of thorns on his head and blood trickled down his brow, he said, remember me. When he walked up that hill carrying that cross and they stretched him out and they put nails in his hand and blood flowed out of his hand and his wrist, he said, remember me. When they, when they held him up on the cross and they stuck a spear in his side, and blood ran down. He said, Father, forgive them. But you, and you, and you, and you, and you, remember me. When you take that juice, you remember me. And you'll trust me. And on the third day, when he got up out of the grave, and he walked around and he saw them, he said, I told you that you could trust me. And today we'll drink this juice and reminding he's not dead, but he's alive, and that we can trust him. Amen? Come on, would you take the juice right now? Now I want you to stand to your feet, and I want you to sing this out as loud as you can. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Come on, now you sing it out. Let's sing it. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.